I'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. This morning we will be considering Philippians chapter 1, verses 25 and 26. I think I would like to begin the reading in verse 21, however. So uh, verse 25 and 26 will be the focus of the sermon uh, this morning. Before we begin uh, reading from Scripture, let us go to God once again in prayer. Please pray with me. Our Father and our God, out of the depths of our being, we cry to you, O God, to have mercy upon us. For if you would count iniquities, who could stand? Indeed, no one could stand. And yet, Father, you are merciful. You have forgiven us of all of our sins by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And now, as your adopted children, we come freely to you, to the throne of grace, asking for your blessing. So we pray, Father, that you would open your ears to our cries this morning. Father, fill us with joy and contentment by the preaching of the gospel. May our faith progress to the praise of your glory. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. Beloved, this is the word of God. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus Because of my coming to you again. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord remains forever. While Paul made it clear that when he thought about the prospect of dying, he desired it. He made that very clear. Why? Because dying for the Christian is a departure in the soul from this body To be with Christ, which is far better. That is how Paul describes it. It is far better to be with Christ than to continue to live in this sinful flesh dealing with the remnants of the sinful old man. It is better to die and be with Christ in a sanctified soul. Verse 23, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better At the same time, though, even though he ultimately desired that, a desire to be with Christ, for that is far better, he also thinks about the church. He also was thinking about the Philippians and their spiritual needs. If Paul died, that might be better for him, certainly. He would be with Christ. But what about those who were left behind? Not only would they be dealing with grief about Paul's death, but they would also need a pastor. They would need a minister, someone who could preach the gospel and minister to their needs. This is what Paul says about him continuing to live as an apostle in the church. Verse 24, to remain, that is not to die, 
to remain is more necessary on your account, the church's account. Now, Paul may have been saying this because of significant spiritual issues that he may have heard about in his time in prison that he became aware of while he was in chains that was happening in the city of Philippi. He might have thought there's significant spiritual issues that need to be addressed in this church. It's more necessary for me to stay, to live, to minister to your needs because I know of what is going on among the members of the church. Or he might have just been saying this because his brush with death had caused him to rethink his future plans in ministry. At the end of Romans, the book of Romans in chapter 15, Paul declared a strong desire at that point to take his gospel ministry into Spain. So he wanted to move further into Europe, move further into the West. He wanted to take the gospel to Spain, and he told the Romans that. It could have been that Paul was imprisoned after writing that letter to the Romans. So he's, he's free, he's doing ministry, he's thinking about his future plans, he wants to go to Spain, and then he's imprisoned. And it's shut down. And his imprisonment caused him to rethink those plans. That could have happened here. And so maybe he was thinking to himself, maybe Spain is not meant for me right now. Maybe I need to put those plans on hold. Maybe I should turn my attention back to the east, back to Philippi, and continue ministering there for a little while longer. Now, it's not altogether clear exactly why Paul uh, is saying this, is thinking about this. It's more necessary on your account for me to remain and to minister to you. But what Paul does make clear is that he was convinced that he would remain, he would live, he would not be executed. And not only this, not only would he not be executed, he would see the Philippians in person again. Verse 26, my coming to you again. Verse 25, continue with you all. So he's confident that he will see them again. He'll he'll live and he will see this church once again. Now we should understand that when Paul talks about the necessity of him living and continuing his ministry among them, He was not talking about it in a begrudging manner. For example, like when someone calls us and asks us to do something fun with them one day. They invite us to do something fun, like attend a party or see a movie or go to dinner, whatever it may be. But you can't go because you have to work. And so you have to tell them this. You say, oh, I'd love to go with you because that would be far better. It would be far better to spend time with you, go to that party with you, rather than for me to work. But unfortunately, I have to work. I can't get out of it. The meaning there is, when you say that, is there's really nothing at work that I enjoy when I compare it to spending time with you when we're off work. However, I've got to pay the bills. And so you slump your shoulders, you put your head down, you've got a sad face, and you say... I have to work. I'm sorry, I can't can't go with you. Now, this is not Paul's disposition. That is not the way he was looking about. He was looking at the alternatives, living and dying. It was not as though he was saying, I would much rather be with Christ, but unfortunately, I have to live and I have to stay 
and minister to you all. This was not Paul's disposition at this time. His continued ministry to them was necessary at this time. The Philippians needed Paul's ministry. That's why he says this. It's necessary. Just like churches at all times need pastors. Churches need pastors. Churches need good pastors. Not because of the men themselves, necessarily, but because of the way in which these men minister the gospel. That's where the necessity part comes in. And that is the way the Lord has established the the functioning of the church, the activity of the church. So churches need faithful pastors because of the ministry of the gospel. Now earlier Paul had said that the Philippians were fellow partakers with him in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. A good, loving, faithful man has no power in himself really to help the church. If you think about it, there's lots of faithful men sitting in this room this morning. But that by itself doesn't necessarily help the church. It's not what the church needs necessarily or essentially. But if that good and faithful man is called by God to preach the gospel, to administer the sacraments, and it's evident that God has given this man the gifts to carry out this work, then... He is of much use to the church. Indeed, his ministry is necessary for the church. And so, yes, we need good, faithful pastors. We need those pastors to be good, faithful men. But we need those men to preach the gospel, to exercise the gifts that they've been given by the Spirit, to minister the gospel in word and sacrament. That is what is necessary for the church, for the church's spiritual health. And so the necessity aspect of good, faithful pastoral ministry in the church is certainly there. It was there in Paul's relationship to the Philippians at this time. And so Paul says, it's necessary for me to remain. But Paul also enjoyed doing this. He enjoyed serving them. As a minister, he enjoyed doing the work. Difficult work, yes, but he enjoyed doing it. What did he just say? I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. This is what he said in the previous verses. He's rejoicing. It's necessary for me to stay, but he rejoices in that work as he remains ministering uh, the gospel to them. And then in chapter 2, he says, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. So again, Paul was not saying this talking about the necessity to stay and minister to the gospel as something that was detrimental to him, or that was a burden to him, that he didn't enjoy. No, he was rejoicing. Again, later in this chapter, or in this letter, Paul calls this particular church, my joy and crown, whom he loves. And so Paul enjoyed his work. He enjoyed ministering the gospel to them. If ministering the gospel to the church with all its difficulties and all of its pain, and it is painful at times, and you can see how painful it was for Paul to be in chains. If this caused Paul to be depressed about working, having to work, then he wouldn't have said, I'm torn between the two. He's torn between living and dying. And when he thinks about living, he 
he's going to continue to be a minister of the gospel. He's not thinking about vacation. He's thinking about ministering the gospel. That's what brings him joy, and that's what makes it hard for him to decide. To decide. He's struck between the two. I want to be with Christ. Of course, the joy there is unspeakable. But there's joy over here, too. I'm, I'm toward hard-pressed between the two. And he also would not have said in verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. He wouldn't have said that if continuing to work, to minister the gospel, was something that was a a depressing burden for him. Paul's gospel ministry to the Philippians was meant to teach them to have joy in Christ, to glory in Christ, as he says in verse 26. But this joy in Christ, through faith in Christ, was something that was shared between the two groups, Paul on the one side and the church to whom he ministered on the other side. They would all share in this joy together in Christ. That is what Paul looked forward to. That is what caused him to to struggle between the two alternatives. And really, it wasn't Paul on the one side and and church on, on the other side, essentially. It's really just one group. It's one body. One, the one body of Christ, but in the body, on this side of the resurrection, we all have certain roles to play. For Paul, it was an apostle, a pastor, a minister of the gospel. That, that is what, how Paul functioned in the church. But there's other roles, and as we grow in our joy in Christ, we, draw, we grow in that joy in him together. And so then as Paul's joy in the faith increased as a minister of the gospel, he would share this joy with the Philippians primarily through his gospel ministry. And in turn, the joy of the Philippians in the faith would increase, which would make Paul's joy increase all the more. As we can see, the goal, joy in Christ, increasing for all members of the church, the one body of Christ. Yes, there are pastors, and yes, there are non-pastors. There are elders and deacons and non-elders and non-deacons, but Our goal, the goal for all of us, is right here. Joy in Christ, increased joy in the living and resurrected Christ. The picture we get here is one of Paul together with the Philippians in person, glorying in Christ Jesus and having joy collectively through faith in Christ. That is what he looks forward to. So that no one is lifted above another in significance, not even Paul. If that's the goal, then the church doesn't exist to glorify one person or one group of people. It exists to glorify Christ, to have joy in him. And so no one is more important than another. No one is more significant than another. So that in me, and this is what Paul says in verse 26, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. That's the point, because of my coming to you again. And so Jesus is lifted up, not Paul. That's who they glory in. They glory and have joy in Jesus, though partly because Jesus preserved Paul's life. And so glorying in Christ is the goal, but part of the way that God would do that in this church would be to preserve Paul's life and bring him back to this church once again. 
So then not only was Paul not dead, but he would see them again in person. They would all rejoice together. Now, don't you think that this is progress? Is that not progress in the church? I think it is. That is how we advance. This word progress, it's translated progress here. It's the same word that's translated earlier as advance in verse 12. There Paul's talking about his chains. He says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, to make it move forward. And there progress meant the gospel reaching Gentiles. So the gospel reached the ears of those who had never heard of Christ And it also meant that the church, namely preachers, were more emboldened to preach Christ, to preach Christ passionately, zealously. And so the entire church was built up by the ministry of the word. That's progress. Here, Paul is talking again about progress, your progress in the faith. Now, what does that mean? Well, certainly it included some of these other things that Paul had already mentioned, greater confidence, greater boldness in the faith, not frightened by our opponents. Paul expands upon this progress, though, here. In verse 27, uh, which we'll look at, Lord willing, uh, next week, he says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. He says, stand firm in one spirit, so have unity. That's progress. So part of the progress is unity in the body, which we'll look at next week and the week after. That's advancement. That's the church being built up by the ministry of the word. But don't, couldn't we also think that progress and joy refer somewhat to having on some level the same mindset as Paul here? What have we been looking at for, before I was gone last week, we looked at a certain passage, a certain main principle that Paul lived his life out of, and he upon which he founded his life. And what was that? It was to live as Christ and to die is gain. Now, wouldn't you think that progress in the church would be thinking more like this, thinking more like the apostle? To live as Christ and to die is gain. I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I have not always lived like that, by that principle. I have considered other things as what it means to truly live. And when I thought about dying, well, I think Christ has saved me, and I think it will be good. But there's so many other things here in this life that seem so much better. Now, as a Christian, we, if we're honest, that is how we think. That is where we are at times, and certainly the Philippians probably were thinking along those same lines, and Paul presents it to him. This is how I think. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. And so once he returns, do you not think that he would want them to, he would want to see in the church more thinking along those lines? To see more people putting those words on their lips and living them out. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. I think that is. I think that's progress, and I think that's what at least partly what he was after. That would be progress in the faith. That would be advancement. That is what he is after. This is why progress and joy in the faith belong together, as he says here. Because through Paul's gospel ministry, the goal would be 
that they too, the Philippians, the people to whom he ministered, that they too would contemplate life and death. But really think about it. That they would think about life and death like he was forced to think about life and death in prison because he might have been executed. That's progress. That's advancement in the church. That would be the goal, that they would begin to settle in and think about these things and reach the same kind of place in their hearts and minds if they had not done so already. Now, in thinking about all of this, we can go back to something that I said before, that in Paul's imprisonment and his brush with death, possibly by execution, the Philippians had a kind of living illustration of what happened to Christ, what happened to Jesus Christ. Paul was imprisoned. He was bound in chains for the gospel, virtually on the point of being executed, could have died. What happened to Jesus? Well, he didn't avoid execution. He was executed. He was crucified. Paul was in prison for the gospel. He came close to being executed for the gospel. Jesus was executed. He was crucified because he is the gospel. And so as the Philippians were hearing from Paul and thinking about him in prison, they had a kind of living illustration of what happened to Christ. And Paul even says that in his letter. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so that's what they had in Paul, a picture of the sufferings of Jesus Christ who was crucified for the church. Now, if we can say this about Paul's imprisonment, can we not also say this about Paul's physical return to the Philippians? What does he say? My coming to you again. He will see them in person once again. Well, Jesus says something similar at the end of the, at the, end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. What does he say to the church? He says, surely I am coming soon. I'm coming to see you again. In person, physically, visibly, I will be with you again, just as Paul would be physically and visibly with the Philippian church. Once again, Jesus will come back. He is alive and he is returning. We will see him again. And when he returns to be with us, we will enjoy him. We will enjoy him. Have joy in him. The progress that we experience in the faith in this life, when that day comes, will have reached its goal. We will have crossed the finish line. That's what we're looking forward to. To be with him. To be with this returning king. To see him visibly, physically manifest among the church. That is what we are after. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. And so, friends, don't miss this joy that this is the goal. Joy is the goal. Joy, eternal joy, is the goal goal in the Christian life. Joy in Christ forever. And so Paul mentions here progress and joy in the faith. That is the would be, or that, that would be the result of gospel ministry through Paul once he comes to them comes to them again. The day of Christ's return, friends, has not come. Until then, and until our departure to be with Christ, we are all in need of the gospel. We all need the gospel on this side 
of the grave, on this side of the resurrection. We need the gospel to remind us of what we are truly after, of who we are truly after. Because we forget, we lose sight of what it means to be a Christian, what the goal actually is. We lose sight of it, don't we? That's where the gospel comes in, to remind you, to remind us of where we're headed, why we have been called in the first place, who we are truly after. Paul knew full well that this need for the gospel was present in the Philippians. And so he tells them, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Now later, of course, Paul would die. He, he would be released from the Philippian, or his imprisonment. We don't know for sure where he was, possibly in Rome. He would be released from this imprisonment and serve the Philippians a little while longer. But later on in his life, he would die. He actually was martyred for the faith. But he set up Timothy and Titus as two of the men who would continue to minister to the gospel to the church after he was gone. We have letters from Paul to these men to aid them in setting them up for gospel ministry. And friends, this gospel ministry that everyone in the church needs, it still continues today. This is what we are doing this morning. Friends, we are all in need of the gospel until Jesus, who is the substance of the gospel and the source of our joy, returns to be with us forever. To Christ be all praise and glory now and forevermore. Let's pray, friends.